0: Halloween greetings to each and every one of you, and welcome to part two for this spectacularly spooktacular Halloween special. Now, before we continue digging into the paranormal realm, I need to share with you something that just happened. All day yesterday, I had been busy recording the Halloween episode. As you know, I'd had a ton of awesome people sending me stuff to put on this episode and I had been compiling them all together, and yada yada, I'm finally done, and I'm editing. Not gonna lie, by the time recording finished, it was a couple of minutes shy of three hours. That's a whole lot of editing. (laughs) I edit into the night, I take a break, and continue in the morning. Well, a few minutes in, everything goes from normal, like, normal talking, the sound is wonderful. To suddenly sounding like I'm stuck in another dimension. So, I just want you to hear what I was hearing. So, about an hour and 25 minutes, it was good, like this. And then all of a sudden, you'll hear it go distorted and echoey. Investigate. You know, I would love to do that sometime. 2018? Yeah, I won't let your eardrums get too crazy. (laughs) I had to listen to a lot of that staticky crap. So anyways, after talking with several fellow podcast friends and tech friends, it was decided there's no fixing this train wreck. (laughs) So half was good, half was bad what to do, but start over again on the bad part. Unfortunately, is truly a labor of love. So that's how we got to be part one and part two. Originally, it was just gonna be one nice, big, large episode, but apparently the decision was made for me. <laughs> so, back to the spectacular show. I had just finished playing the audio at the end of part one of the fantastic medium Kevin Paul's experience in Vietnam at the Prisoner of Work encampment. The next experience of Kevin's that I want to read is titled Angry Ghost Resist Removal Because of the Love Lost. Greetings, I'm Kevin Paul, a psychic and medium in Washington, DC. I investigate locations using my medium abilities to evaluate what spirits and energies are present and come up with a plan for cleansing them. I use my psychic skills to do personal readings for the living. Below is one of the investigations I completed. It was quite the adventure, and I hope you enjoy it. In June 2017, while having coffee with my good friend Fadi at his bakery called The Cake Room in Washington, D.C., He announced that he had found the most amazing newly renovated apartment which he could finally walk to work and live in a great neighborhood. I was excited for him and I asked him where his apartment was located. He looked out of his store front window and pointed to an apartment building within eyesight of his bakery. As soon as I saw the building, I just felt that his apartment was already occupied not with the living, but with a female spirit. And so I told Fadi this immediately. I also added that I felt that it had to be cleansed before he moved in, since I knew Fadi would be sensitive and adversely affected by the negative or unsettled energy currently in that space. I hadn't even seen his apartment yet, but I just knew that there was some work that needed to be done to evict the current occupant before he took possession and seal it to keep other spirits out. Fadi looked concerned, and he invited me to walk over later that day with him to check it out. Once we arrived, Fadi had to get the building supervisor to let us into the vacant apartment. That took a lot of coordination and waiting, but we finally got in. The apartment was an amazing space with two bedrooms, two bathrooms, lots of windows, and a back deck. It was newly painted, clean, and ready for someone to move in. It looked beautiful and was a great fit for Fadi. But to me, I felt a little uncomfortable with the energy of the space. I didn't do an opening to tap into or evaluate the energy there since we were just doing a quick peek and a walkthrough. An opening means that I would do a quick meditation to open myself up to receiving information and evaluating the energy of the house. We took 10 minutes to walk around and see all the rooms and look out all the windows. Fadi was so excited, but I was a little concerned about the energy not feeling comfortable to me. I felt unwelcome by the energy, but I just couldn't put my finger on it. Once we left the apartment and stood outside the building, we talked about how beautiful the space was, how it was a great fit, and how I felt it needed to be cleansed of the negative energy and active spirit. Then all of a sudden, (laughs) I realized that I had left everything I was carrying in the apartment my bike helmet, and my shoulder bag, which had all my valuables like my keys, wallet, etc. That was very unlike me. I have never done that before and thought to myself that whatever was in the apartment wanted to mess with me. Since it was a big struggle to coordinate the entry back into the apartment to retrieve my personal belongings. Buddy had to call the property management company in New York City who then tried to contact the on-site supervisor who wasn't answering his cell phone, etc. It took about 30 minutes of waiting outside in the hot sun to gain access. I felt the spirit was letting me know she was in charge and that I was not welcome. Point well taken. A week later, Foddy had signed the paperwork and wanted me to come with him while he went to meet his handyman in the apartment to show him where to hang some of the heavy items and adding shelving, etc. Once in the apartment, I was respectful, but again suspicious to the energy there and started to walk around while Foddy and his handyman talked. Within a few minutes, I started to feel very dizzy as if I was on a ship at sea. I felt so dizzy that I had to sit down on a large windowsill in the living room as they talked. This had never happened before. During a break in their conversation, I asked Fadi if he felt dizzy and he immediately said he did too. Once the handyman knew what he needed to do, we all left the apartment. I staggered home, still dizzy, and did a quick grounding meditation to clear it. The spirit in the apartment, again, let me know that she was in charge, and what she could do to affect me. I regretted not protecting myself from her before entering the apartment. I knew better, but just forgot. Now I understood that this spirit was definitely not happy with my intentions to eventually move her on, and that she could definitely affect Fadi as well. Now I really had to come with a cleansing plan for the apartment. She needed to go. My plan was to cleanse the apartment the day before Fadi moved in and include Fadi in that cleansing process since I feel it's important for people to be involved and claim their space. I contacted two of my psychic medium friends that I had been studying and practicing with at that time and asked them if they wanted to come along to investigate and cleanse the apartment with me. Yes, like any skill, we must practice to get better. I didn't tell them much about what I knew so as to not affect their own investigation. They both agreed to help out. The plan I developed was for us three mediums to sit and analyze the energy of the space, come up with a specific cleansing ritual, and then include Fadi at the end to really seal that location. On the day before Fadi moved into his new apartment, I assembled My team of psychic mediums outside the apartment. Took a moment to protect ourselves with a quick prayer or meditation. Then we entered the quiet and empty apartment together. As soon as I entered the apartment, I heard in my mind the words, Get out! This is my space! I smiled and told her in my mind that we were here to help her. The other mediums immediately felt the presence of the female spirit when they entered, too. My investigative and cleansing approach is always with compassion, first followed by firmness if required. I've learned that most reluctant spirits typically just want to tell their story, be listened to, and get counseled or reasoned with. It's like peer level counseling that I've done with the living. At the beginning of our investigation, I sat down in the living room with one of my team members while another walked around the apartment and settled in one of the bedrooms to sit with the energy in the apartment and figure out what was going on. First, we each reached out and communicated with the spirit in our own different ways to listen and gather information. Once I connected with the spirit of the woman, I got that she had lived there in that apartment or a nearby one in the 1930s or 1940s and dealt with a significant love loss issue that really adversely affected her. I got that she felt that she was not understood when she was living. She was a bit of a wild one back in her time, but very unhappy. She really wanted to be happy and loved, but before she passed, she was avoiding people like a recluse, feeling scared and anxious. She had taken up residence in Fadi's new apartment and I knew that her safe space was in the closet of the smaller bedroom. I offered counsel to the spirit by acknowledging the sorrow with loved loss and saying that it was normal to feel that way. I offered kind words, through my thoughts, of encouragement for the spirit to move on to her loved ones that were waiting for her on the other side. I told her that there were plenty of people who loved her, and they were eager for her to join them. I felt that she was not entirely convinced to leave yet. Once each team member had some time to connect with the spirit, we discussed a specific cleansing ritual of smudging with a couple of sacred herbs, sage and palo santo. We selected these two herbs to remove any residual energy left in the apartment by people who have gone before and to make sure that we ritualized the removal of the active energy or spirit in that space. Residual energy can be strong emotional memories or events that have saturated into the structure typically into the wood of the floors and the walls. People who are sensitive to these energies would typically be adversely affected by these strong emotional energies that were lingering. We lit the herb of our choice, and when the aromatic smoke started to rise, we each methodically walked around the entire apartment at our own pace, cleansing each corner, closet, window, etc. We each spoke our own words firmly, encouraging the active spirit to move on. She knew we meant business. After our cleansing, I texted Fadi to come over to ritualize the claiming of his own space. Once in the apartment, I asked Fadi to sit quietly with a small spray bottle of water and say cleansing prayer over it. By doing this, he was basically blessing the water himself to make it sacred. Then I instructed him to walk around and spray every wall, window, and closet with his holy water to claim his space while saying this is my space and no one else is welcome here. He did this with firmness and conviction in his voice. The personal ritual and intention allowed Fadi to take an active role in claiming his space. This is a very powerful method to take control of one's environment. After a couple of hours, we were all done with our investigative and cleansing activities. We then closed our sacred space and walked out of the apartment. The next day, Fadi moved in, and a few days later, I visited him to see if we had been successful or not. Once in his apartment, I didn't feel the spirit or the negative energy. I didn't feel dizzy. I felt a lighter and joyful energy. Fadi mentioned that he hadn't felt dizzy since moving in. He felt comfortable and safe. I'm happy to report that we had successfully cleansed the space, and Fadi hasn't had any problems or issues with this spirit since. I still feel comfortable in his apartment over a year later. For me, the goals of ghost hunting or investigating the paranormal in someone's home or business are the following. 1. Respect the active spirits. 2. Determine what spirits are present and understand their intentions. 3. Help those spirits move on. 4. Educate the living about their own abilities or sensitivities to spirit and unseen energies as well as how to protect themselves going forward. Check out my abilities consultation service. Success is when unwarranted active spirits and negative residual energies have been removed and people living in their home are protected and they're no longer affected. My new blog will be helping to educate people about all these paranormal issues and to help them understand their own power and abilities within the unseen world. What a phenomenal story. I I find it impressive that before Kevin even stepped foot into this apartment, that he could sense, he felt, he knew there was an angry female spirit taking up residence in his dear friend Fadi's house. And it's neat that he had his friend take part of the cleansing, taking back what's his, claiming his space, his property, his home, his life. Next, I will share an audio as he describes the scene at Angkor Wat in Cambodia. First, I'll read the short description he has written down. Contentious spirits in dispute with anger. This video recounts my experience at Angkor Wat Cambodia on November 1st, 2019. I opened myself up to read the energy of this site and was surprised by a few spirits who joined me at this amazing location. And I just wanted to say this was November 1st of 2019. November 1st is tomorrow, folks. One year anniversary of when he was in Cambodia, so that's pretty cool. So anyways, here is that, that audio. (laughs)
1: Hi, I'm Kevin Paw, psychic and medium. I'd like to travel to unique places in the world and open up to read the energy of the location. Sometimes I come in contact with spirits, which is exactly what happened at this holy site called Angkor Wat in Cambodia. Built in the 12th century, Angkor Wat is the largest religious monument in the world. Originally built as a royal Hindu state temple in capital city, a war later transformed it into a Buddhist temple by the end of the 12th century, and it continues today. At this site, once I opened up, I became aware of two spirits who would be my tour guides. I thought, how nice this would be. I didn't see them, but I felt and heard them. The one on the left was a Buddhist monk, and the one on the right was a Hindu holy person. These two spirits told me that they were there to help protect their holy site. Again, I thought to myself, how nice. Of course, both spirits heard me. While I was walking, I heard the Hindu holy man talk about how beautiful and holy this site was when they built and occupied it. The Buddhist monk then told me how much better the site was once they occupied it as their holy site. The Hindu holy man disagreed and argued that the Buddhists defaced it when they took it over. The spirit of the Buddhist monk was not willing to argue with the Hindu spirit and just left me. That's when I understood that these two religious groups were at war with each other there and occupying separate locations on the property. In just those few minutes, these two spirits provided me a unique insight into this location. While this beautiful site looked peaceful, the spirit energy that remained there was not. Thank you for listening, and I invite you to follow me on my other adventures in the spirit world.
0: How remarkable is that? It's kind of almost like a holy ghostly battlefield and i think it's incredible again that he has been to so many neat places in different countries to investigate i'm intrigued and want to know more about these places and what he encountered there can we say future episode the next written experience of kevin's that i want to share is titled dismal and depressing a homestead is finally cleansed of the cult energy left behind It first starts off with this. Thank you again for your expertise and time spent on our cleansing prescription. The house feels so much lighter and brighter. Written by Carrie. The feeling of unease in your own home is never a good thing. Add to that, your neighbors inform you that a religious cult worshipped in your house before you bought it. Then you learned that the land your house is on was marked by centuries of Native American war and bloodshed. Now you have a recipe for a dismal and depressing homestead energy. Recently, I consulted with the mother of a family who wanted to know how to properly cleanse a house. Carrie had tried to cleanse their home multiple times without success. After the phone interview, I felt... Confident that they were dealing with strong residual energy, leftover sad and negative emotional type of energy in a location, as well as active Native American spirit energy on the property. Carrie has empathic ability, which allows her to feel and sense the energy in a location, which is helpful in the taking the temperature of a room and therefore monitoring the before and the after. With my experience and the help of my abilities and spirit guides, I had all the information I needed to provide a prescription to bring joy back into the house and to also provide an honorable offering of peace and reverence to their property, which is on Native American land with a dark and troubled past. To cleanse or clear the residual energy inside the house, I recommended a unique prescription of smudging that I felt was needed to truly clear the space of the intense negative sad energy and fill it with their joy and laughter. Below are just the brief bullet points of that prescription. 1. Play fun music during the smudging. Laugh and have fun with this ritual smudging. The intention and actions will super infuse joy and happiness into the space. Two, use dried lavender to smudge each room that they felt needed to be infused with happiness and joy. Lavender brings peace, relaxation, and restful sleep, purity, and love into a space. Three, use the phrase or mantra that I provided to claim their space, remove all negative feelings, and fill the room with joy, fun, joy and happy energy. For the peace offering to the Native American spirits on this tormented property, I recommended that they follow a detailed and powerful ritual. The instructions below are just the brief bullet points of this ritual. 1. Assemble an offering. Tobacco for the men. Salt for the women. Sugar for the children. And any type of small gift that would be appreciated. Two, place the offering on a quiet part of the property with specific intentions. Three, use the ritual words that I provided. Four, to honor and acknowledge the ancient Native American spirits that are on the property. Five, to acknowledge that it was their land. Six, to assure them that they mean them no harm. Seven, to request their protection and a peaceful coexistence. Below is a brief history and update written by Carrie after completing my recommendations. It's important to me to hear back from those I consult with. I always like to check in after a few weeks and make any adjustments to the prescription if required. This is their story. We bought our home in May 2016. The people we bought it from, Tim and Jeannie, had bought it back in 2006. They renovated for three years before moving in. They poured a lot of money, blood, sweat, and tears into it. They held church in the family room every Saturday. We are not sure what denomination, but later we discovered from the neighbors that they said it was a cult. Our neighbors told us two of the property owners' three dogs ganged up on the one and killed it in our kitchen. Another around 2013, Tim and Jeannie ran into financial distress and lost their small business. At this point, they had three mortgages on the house, which was supposed to be their forever home, and was about to go into foreclosure when we bought it. We moved in and finished the renovations, new flooring, fresh paint, new countertops, etc. There were areas of the house that felt heavy with sadness and depression, Carly's bedroom, Steve's bedroom, which had been Tim's office, the kitchen, our dog refused to go into the kitchen, and I liked to cook, but after we moved in, I did not like being in that kitchen. It had an uneasy feeling to it. And the family room. I had saged the house about three times, and it seemed to help a little, but not completely. I began some research of our property after a neighbor told us this was Miami Indian land. Their village had been about a mile or two from our house. Our road was their path to their hunting grounds and supposedly there had been a great battle fought in the field behind our house. Further research showed our property is legally called LaFontaine Indian Reserve. Chief LaFontaine was a French man who married a Miami Indian woman and adopted the Miami Indian culture. He had negotiated one of the last treaties with the United States government. This treaty was not viewed as fair by many of the Miami tribe and caused a split amongst them. Some moved on to Iowa and some stayed here. I was also told by a neighbor that in the late 70s, early 80s, there had been a farm machinery accident on our property and a man had been killed. In short, there has been a lot of sadness, despair, and negativity in and surrounding our new home for a long time. I then reached out to you, psychic medium Kevin Paul, for assistance for cleansing our home correctly. We followed your prescription to a T. For the land around our house, we were provided a prescription for a peace offering to the Native American spirits. I had my husband, Aaron, place the tobacco as an offering to the men. Steve offered the sugar for the children. And I offered the salt for the women. And pretty beads and crystals from Carly's Chandelier. She agreed to be part of the cleansing, but rolled her eyes about the offering. I wanted to make sure the offering was heartfelt and genuine, so I did not push her to be a part of it. Aaron and I then took the offering and placed it under a huge maple tree towards the edge of our property. I felt it was the right place for it, and we will continue the offering ceremony every change of the season. The home cleansing involved all four of us and my family and it was a lot of fun. There was lots of laughter as we set off smoke alarms and had some music mishaps but the results were immediately felt. Thank you again Kevin Paul. I will keep you posted on the temperature of the house. Carrie. How incredible is that? Like seriously. I I love that There are amazing mediums out there such as Kevin and Mary and so many others that can truly help these families. What a relief Carrie must have felt when her home was suddenly at peace. She can finally cook with ease in her beloved kitchen. And as a person, a fellow lover of cooking, I have to say that when I stayed in the Windsor, the haunted hotel And I was working there. I was living for several months. There's no kitchen in there. Oh, God, I was so happy when I got back home and I was able to bake and cook and saute and marinate. And oh, boy, so I really could resonate with the Carrie's pain there. And I love, again, how, just like Fadi, Carrie and her family partake in the cleansing ritual, the peace offering, you know, the gifts of the tobacco, the sugar, the salt, the the items from the chandelier. I'm glad it worked out and the family can finally breathe Ah, a sigh of relief. Thank you so much, Kevin, for giving me access to your amazing penmanship to share for this spectacular episode and those awesome audios as well. And you guys, Kevin asked me to be on his show, so keep an eye out for that. And he'll be on here again sometime soon. My next phantomly guest are my fantastic friends from across the pond, Fitz and Lil. They are out of Northamptonshire, and they have a neat podcast called Knock Once for Yes. Here is their eerily delicious tale.
2: Hello, we are Lil and Fitz of the paranormal podcast Knock Once
3: for Yes. We both had an interest in the paranormal as children, And growing up, we each had our own experiences with the supernatural. However, our most intense paranormal encounters happened when we moved into a three-story Victorian townhouse together. A house that proved itself to be very haunted indeed. My first experience with the house actually happened before I even moved in. At the time, I was living around the corner, but my friends were in this particular house, and I went to visit them often. In fact, they were my bandmates, and they would tell me stories from time to time about the things that they would hear in the house, things that they couldn't quite explain. And a lot of these inexplicable noises seemed to come from the house's basement. Of course, it would be the most creepy, dark, dank, cobwebby place in the house. Now, because we were in a band, we had some recording equipment and so my friends that were in the house decided that they would try and capture these strange noises that they kept hearing, and so they put the recording equipment into the basement, and then they left it overnight. What they captured was quite chilling, and a few days later, I went round to visit, and they kindly played it for me. (laughs) The first part of the recording was just the sounds of the equipment being set up, and then the person walking back up the basement stairs, along the landing, and up several flights of wooden stairs back to their bedroom. And then all was quiet. For a while, at least. But then, the knocking began. It started with just the odd knock, and really, it could have been written off as just sounds the house makes as it's settling at night. But then, it came again. And again. And every time, there were more knocks. Surely this couldn't be machinery, traffic. It didn't make sense. Something mechanical would be rhythmic. It would be consistent. This, this sounded like somebody trying to spell out a message. And after that, the dragging noises started almost as though somebody were lugging a rolled-up carpet or a heavy sack or something that's dragged across the floor. And then it sounded like somebody came right up on the microphone and breathed. And then it sounded like they tapped it. Now, this couldn't have been any living human. I mentioned how, at the beginning of the recording, I could hear the person setting up and then walking back up the basement steps. If anybody had come back down those basement steps, I would have been able to hear them just as clearly, and I knew there was no break in the recording. I knew there was nobody down there when the equipment was left running, and I knew nobody had gone back down there since. So who was moving who was knocking and who was breathing into the microphone. I thought all this was interesting and it certainly raised the goosebumps on my arms, but I didn't live there and I didn't know I was ever going to live there at this time. And so I didn't really think any more about it until one night when I came to visit and I ended up staying over. I crashed out for the night on the sofa in the living room And was just dropping off to sleep when I heard somebody, somebody that wasn't there, almost yell straight in my ear my full name. That's odd for a lot of reasons, because nobody uses my full name. Certainly none of my friends and nobody in that house. But there was nobody there. Everybody had gone to bed. The downstairs was empty. I was just alone with the voice in my ear yelling my name. Now you might think this might have put me off moving into this place completely, but circumstances as they were, and the way things conspired, I did end up moving in with those friends. And the house had quite the welcome in store for me. On my very first day, when I was moving all my furniture in, I realised quite quickly that I had more stuff than would fit in my small room. Not a problem, there was a big basement. So I grabbed some furniture and started taking it downstairs. I'd only got halfway down the basement stairs, when behind me, the door to the basement slammed shut. At the very same moment, the light somehow turned itself off. Of course, being a basement, there was no natural light. I was literally plunged into darkness, and at the same time, I heard the door... My only exit slammed shut behind me. I have never screamed so loud in my life. Every person in that house came running because it sounded like I was being murdered. But the worst thing was, having made it to the top of the basement stairs, in the blind darkness, the door wouldn't open. I was trapped inside. Eventually, one of my housemates came to my rescue and managed to get the door open. But to this day, none of us really know exactly what happened, and how the light turned off, and why the door slammed shut. But the house had far more in store for us yet. And it wasn't long at all after this incident that I
2: moved into the house as well. I knew it was haunted. We'd actually discussed it on our first date. I think that's part of the reason that Lil decided I was worth taking a punt on. It wasn't too bad at first. I do remember, initially, on entering the house, there was a kind of vibe to it. It was very dark and gloomy, like I think a lot of Victorian townhouses are. But there was something more. Something oppressive. I think I was one of the few people not to have an experience on my first night. But I do remember seeing skitterers out of the corner of my eye quite regularly. Now I say skitterers as if you'll know exactly what I'm talking about but I think it kind of describes what they are quite nicely. They're very similar to shadow people but they always seem to be too tall and gangly or too short and squat and they always move in a kind of janky angular way Much like a spider running across a carpet, there's too many arms and legs and it's bursts of activity and then still and slow and then another burst of activity. They always catch that glimpse out of the corner of your eye that attracts your attention. And you always just used to see them disappearing so that you knew that it wasn't a figment of your imagination. There was something there. In fact, we weren't the only ones to see them. When I moved in, I brought my cats with me and they used to chase them quite frequently. And the activity only seemed to escalate from there. For me, it all seemed to be focused around the hallways and landings and stairways. One of the most frightening things about that house was needing to go to the bathroom in the middle of the night. We were on the top floor. Our room was a small attic room with a sloped ceiling And a strange cupboard that ran the length of the eaves. In the room it wasn't generally too bad, although I did have experiences there. But the second you stepped out of that doorway and started descending the stairs, you just had this feeling that there was something behind you. You always had this primal instinct to run. Something was behind you, it was coming for you, and it was going to get you. It was very rare that we would walk down the stairs at night. You developed a habit of running at full speed. Possibly not the safest thing, but that part of your mind just wouldn't let you walk slowly. And then, even worse, when you got to the bathroom, the door to the bathroom was made of frosted glass. When you were sat on the toilet, you were looking straight out of the bathroom through the frosted glass. It wasn't clear enough to see inside, but you could tell if there was somebody walking outside the bathroom, you would catch the shadow of the person as they passed. And this was an old house. If there was somebody there, the floorboards would creak. There would be some noise. Whereas with these shadows, there was nothing. There was just a figure. It might be two foot tall, and you would just see a head and shoulders over the bottom of the door. It might be seven foot tall and you would see a chest and shoulders and no head but you would see them walk past and you knew that that was the only way out the only way back to your room was past them
3: although there were some occasions where the activity did seem to enter the private domain of our little room on one occasion i was sitting on our bed just minding my own business When I noticed a movement at the other end of the room, I looked up and somebody popped their head round the door. Now, at first, this wasn't particularly surprising. It was a shared house. But when I looked up, the head peeking round at me was nobody that lived there. It was nobody that I knew. They stared back at me. It was a young man with dark hair. He looked utterly shocked to see me there as though I was the one intruding on his space. We locked eyes, and then he was just gone. Of course I got up and I went to the doorway and I looked around. It occurred to me at this point and not earlier that I hadn't heard anybody come up the stairs or cross the landing, which I would have done with the very creaky floorboards. There was, of course, nobody there, I don't know who I saw, but they seemed just as surprised to see me as I was to see them.
2: What I experienced in our bedroom was a little bit more confident in its actions. Lil was out one day, and I was at home. I think I was just playing on the computer, and I wanted to go downstairs. So I stood up, walked towards the door, and just as I rested my hand on the door handle... I heard a voice in my ear. No. Immediately I jumped back from the door. I wasn't sure what to do. I sat down and turned on the television and just to have some kind of noise that wasn't my beating heart or something that wasn't really there. And after a few minutes I convinced myself that I must have just been scuffing my foot on something or I was just imagining it. So I went to the door again, and again, just as I rested my hand on the door handle, I heard a voice. No, that was enough for me. I turned up the volume on the television, I turned on some music on the computer, and I went and sat on the bed and started reading. I just wanted to put as much information into my mind as I could to block out what I'd just experienced. I just knew that I wasn't
3: going to leave that room. We weren't the only ones to experience it. Even people that visited us had their own encounters. One day my brother came to visit and we were talking about the haunting and he quite blithely and maybe unwisely said out loud that he'd never experienced anything. The second the words left his mouth we heard an almighty crash. Turning round, every single knick-knack, ornament, mirror, item on a dresser had all collapsed, causing the most tremendous noise. There was no reason for it. My brother jumped further than I've ever seen him jump in his life, and he never made the mistake of taunting the house like that out loud again.
2: You didn't even need to taunt the house to have an experience. I had a friend visit, and we'd had just a usual evening. We'd had a couple of beers and had a chat, and we were just sitting in the living room talking, when all of a sudden he went very quiet and very pale. And we just looked, and with a glint in our eyes we said, You just saw it, didn't you? He didn't even speak. He just nodded slowly. He never did come back after that night. In fact, I haven't seen him since, even though I have tried to catch up with him.
3: There were other things, hundreds of them, too many to mention here. But the thing that made us decide to move out in the end was the noises coming from one of our housemates' rooms when we knew for a fact that we were the only ones home. These noises were happening above our head and they were so loud we could... "'feel the ceiling above us shake. "'It sounded like somebody was throwing furniture around "'and just basically trashing the room. "'We stood underneath, looking above our heads, "'expecting something almost to crash through the ceiling at any moment. "'We were absolutely terrified. "'It got to the point where we just had to walk out of the house "'and onto the street to get away from it. "'This crashing and banging happened more than once.'
2: One time, we were brave enough to try and enter the room while the noises were happening. But as soon as we opened the door, they stopped. And the room itself was fine. Nothing was touched. Everything was in its place. It was interesting that this was the only detached part of the house as well. So there was no neighbouring building that the noises could have been coming from.
3: It almost doesn't sound like very much when you try and put it down on paper like this. And anybody listening to this might wonder why it became so overwhelming that we felt the need to leave. The thing you have to remember that this is your home, it's meant to be your safe space. It's one thing being interested in the paranormal, going out and investigating when you can come home and forget it and feel secure and go to bed safe. It's quite another when you have to live with it, or at least the possibility of never knowing when it's going to happen every single day. It's wearing, and it grinds you down, and you're on
0: tenterhooks
3: the whole time. And that is why we eventually had to move out of our very haunted house.
0: That's really indeed spooky. And it's crazy that there was a lot going on there. At the end there, Lil said, some people may wonder why we ended up moving out. But I mean, you know, she saw that man where they had that intense eye to eye, like, what are you doing here? No, what are you doing here? (laughs) You know, that apparition. And then with Fitz getting whispers in his ear, no, it's like that, that's pretty intimidating and creepy. And again, I just, I can't imagine sitting in the bathroom, you know, a place that everyone deserves a little privacy, and to see shadows passing by. You know, I kind of wonder what kind of history comes with this house. Like how old is it? Did anyone die there? Any bizarre event happened there or nearby and whatnot. Now I know they had moved out from that, but I believe, if I remember correctly, they do live in another haunted location. So that's for another time. I'm hoping things have calmed down for them either way and the hunting is not as intense as this other one. So thank you, Fitz and Lil, so much for sharing. Always appreciate you guys and have fun talking with you. And you guys, remember to check out Knock Once for Yes. The next ghoulish soul is Victoria Monday. I happened to be on Twitter just kind of messing around when I saw... A video that she had it was a pinned tweet and I clicked on it and I watched it and I knew I wanted it to be part of the Halloween episode so I got in touch with her and she mentioned there's quite the backstory to this audio but as it was really short notice she didn't have enough time to write it out for me but I bet it's worth her being on some time and talking all about it And other cases. Victoria is out of Texas. She is co-host of a show called Edge of the Rabbit Hole, and you could find them on YouTube. She is the founder of Wildwood Paranormal, and I'm going to play Victoria's recording that she provided. And then I'm going to replay those EVPs. As you know, Tessa, she's an EVP nut. In the pinned tweet, she writes, remember we were standing on the back porch of the judge's house next to the hanging tree. This energy was palpable. This is real. What do you think? It is very, very real. You should have heard me squeal. (laughs) Okay, so I'm going to play that right now. So it's a minute and 56 seconds and I'm going to play that whole thing but then I'll just play the EVPs for you. So here we go.
2: Are you by the tree? Can you knock on something? Touch the screen light. Everybody has walked away from me. I don't fear you.
1: You don't scare. As a matter of fact, I invite you. Come see me. Touch me. Anything. Stay away from the girls. Come on to me.
2: Nah, I'm not. It just feels different now.
0: Okay, so there was some like, you know, obviously people were talking and there was some background stuff going on. But what I heard, and I haven't listened to it with headphones yet, but what I heard is a man whispering Ricky two times, one at the 30 second slot and one at one minute and 35 seconds. And then between that, at the 54 mark, it sounds like somebody's saying low or be low. And this is by the hanging tree. So was Ricky hanged? Was Ricky the executioner? Was Ricky, I don't know, was he a witness? Did he watch this hanging or these hangings take place? And so I'm going to replay that first one. Okay, then I'm gonna play the, the middle one, the one that's not Ricky, but something else. So keep an eye out for that, keep an ear out, see what you think. Yeah, sounds like B low. And then uh, the final Ricky. One more time. So you gotta really truly love that EVP evidence. And I think that 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 voice is so close, as if right to the recorder. I mean, that's a Class A EVP right there. Ricky. Can't get clearer than that. Seriously. Thank you, Victoria Monday, for providing that. And I'm excited to hear the backstory and more of what happened there. And yes, I wish we could have heard you squill on that (laughs) videotape. So, you know, before we end things, I hearing all of these fantastic EVPs, this phenomenal evidence, it made me think I should contribute and add some to some myself. So like Angie Mine come from Tombstone as well, and while I still have a ton of audio to go through, I'll share a few EVPs that I have received, as Tombstone is a very active place, and it certainly, and never has, disappointed. While we investigated both the Birdcage Theater and the Watton Tarbell Mortuary, I have only begun listening to the mortuary, haven't touched Birdcage yet, I have only begun listening <laughs> so all that I am going to share has come from the mortuary and at this point in the investigation we've been communicating with a handful of spirits and my recorder captures the CVP of a man. Take a listen. Now, unfortunately, there is background noise. There are people talking, but you could hear this whisper of who I believe would be a man saying what sounds like we're going to watch. Now, for sure, he's saying we're going to. And I can't hear the, exactly the what, but I hear the uch. we're going to watch. And so I know it's a pain with the background noise, but try to take that out of your ears and listen to that one more time. We're going to watch. What I want to play next is a short conversation. My friend Nora, who is quite a gifted medium as well, she asks if the spirit was shot in the side. And an EVP of a man is caught saying no. Nora then asks, why her side is hurting, and we get an EVP of a man saying what sounds like bled out. Side hurt.
1: Yeah.
0: Now, I know that's hard to hear. It's just a quick no, but I'm going to kind of put it slower so hopefully you could hear it a little better. Then here's that bled out. Now, there's one final EVP that I would like to share with you, and it is this. I love you. Love you. That, I think that's a nice way to end it. I love you. <laughs> Hoping you have a spectacular Halloween, you guys. Whatever you do, have fun, stay safe, be spooky. I hope you had a phenomenal time listening to all these phantasmic people sharing their experiences, encounters, investigations, and EVPs. Spirits and goblins and EVPs, oh my! Look out! Huge shout out to all of the phenomenal, spectacular people who were in Part One and Part Two of this early Halloween episode: Steve Kawamura, Brendan Shea, Annie Weibel, Rick McCallum, Bree Blackstone, Jackie Moran, Brian Meisinger, David Libby, Kim Libby, Lee Steele, Angie Velasquez, Mary Priscilla. Kevin Paul, Fitz and Lil, and Victoria Monday. And a shout out to the EVP sharers, Jackie, Brian, Kim, David, Lee, Angie, and Victoria. And several of the people that you just had the awesomeness time listening to, they have shows of their own that you can go and check out, including Serial Spirits featuring Brendan Shea and Annie Weebs as your hosts. And Psyching Mediums Live featuring Kevin Paul, Knock Once for Yes with my good pals Fitz and Lil, and Edge of the Rabbit Hole with Victoria Monday as your co-host. Others have other fun projects coming out, like Rick McCallum. He has the Hollywood Ghost Hunters magazine, which I believe I'm going to be in if he releases it and lets me know. I'll let you know. He also just published a book, and I don't have it right here in front of me, but I believe it's called Ghosts Believe in Me. Get a hold of him. He has signed copies. Steve Kawamura, once this book is out, I will let you guys know that as well. Did you enjoy this week's episode, my pretties? <laughs> I'll take that as a yes. Haven't heard every single one yet. I'm going to take that as a possible no. Like, how dare you? (laughs) Do not fret, my vamps and ghouls, for you can binge listen now by going to any of the podcast platforms such as CastBox, Apple Podcasts, Pocket Cast, Podcast Republic, Spotify, wherever you may roam to hear your other spine-tingling podcasts. You'll probably find Paranormal Prowlers podcasts lurking in the background. This week's Chilling City Shoutouts go to San Francisco, California, Boardman, Ohio, Pittston, Pennsylvania, Aarhus, Denmark, and Haverhill. Massachusetts. See you next Monday for the newest episode, my pretties, and have a happy Halloween.